Welcome to Ludus Capital's podcast, Frontier X. Every week, we will dive deep with current and former professional athletes and hear the stories of how they transition from the field, the court, the ice, the arena, the ballpark, to where they are now. We will hear the stories of how they ignited their non-sports passions, how they cut through the business complexities of their athletic careers, and how they found new unicorns in both their lives and portfolios. I'm your host, Matilda Sung, General Partner at Ludus Capital. I will often be joined by my co-GP, Sam Lee, or any of our venture partners, including Chris Miner and Amith Bodaju. Without further ado, now let's get on to the show. Today, we're thrilled to have former NFL player Brian McKinney with us. Brian has had a long career with the NFL, spending much of his time as the offensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. Prior to that, he earned numerous accolades while playing with the University of Miami. What excites us about Brian today is the many hats and talents he has, from being a music producer to a startup founder to an advocate for mental health with his charities. We are keen to share just how Brian has made a name for himself outside of his football career. I promise this one is chock full of goodies and invaluable life lessons. We can all benefit from this one. Stay tuned. Brian, it's so good to see you. Happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. You're in Miami today, right? Yep, I'm here. It's actually it's actually sunny today too, so it's a nice weather. Awesome. So I'm joining you here from Los Angeles. Sam's out in sunny. Is it sunny New Zealand? Sunny, yes, sunny today. Sunny <laughs> out here in New Zealand today. What time is in New Zealand? <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the morning, but we're on Wednesday already, so uh, we're a day ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're a global firm. We cover all time zones. Anyways, Brian, I. I have known you for what's a half a year now through me, and mm-hmm. I love following you on IG. I am yes. continuously just amazed at the different sides to you. <laughs> the different, mm-hmm. you know, you were a former NFLer. You are a huge philanthropist, variety of different causes. You are a startup founder. Your startup is in the Comcast accelerator. You've got a million people thanking you every day for being the connector. I don't know how you do it. What I think our listeners would love to know is going back in time, back when you were in the NFL, if you could take us back to when you were there, as you were thinking about leaving or your transition, how did it all come together for you to get you to where you are today? Just walk us through that that storyline. I always was social, so that was part of my personality, um, being very social. and then just naturally being a connector. Like if I knew you did something, I knew somebody else did something in a similar field, I would kind of introduce you guys and have you guys meet. And that's kind of like how I would connect you guys and y'all probably would go on and do some type of business or something, you know, together. And that's just something just natural, just just a no-brainer for me. So that's kind of how I've always been. So people know that from me. So people know like one thing about me, with well, my friends, I want to kind of promote whatever it is they have going on. And um, I just know a lot of people. So it was like, People are always looking for something or somebody. And especially when they're like coming to Miami, like, do you know anybody who does this, that, that, that? And it's like, I probably do. And I kind of like make it happen for us connecting people. Wow. That's great. And that was always innate in you before, you know. Yeah, you that was out. always, that was kind of always just me. I feel like just trying to help friends out and, and different people that, you know, have been you know good to me. And then just in the league, I feel like you're just Rolodex kind of just grows a little bit more because now. You start to be around, you know, um, different level of people who do different things, you know, whether it's sports or 
whether it's, in, you know, I was in the music business too. So whether it was like entertainers in that, uh, entertainment lawyers, just different things that I've, you know, different people that have kind of crossed my path in life just from, you know, me growing as a person in, in, in my field and just being exposed to new people and more people and watching how people operate too. That was like another big thing in mind too, was watching um, certain people and how they moved and operated. And I would like incorporate some things that I've I seen or learned from them into my life or daily schedule to try to make me more effective. So I'm not like a sponge. I always try to pay attention. And then when I see or I'm around people who I like what they have going on and what they do, I try to like pick up on some of the things that they're doing, which helps make them successful and try to implement it into my life too. If I didn't know you were a former ball player, I would have thought maybe you were a former business school colleague of mine. <laughs> just the way you speak with the, just the rigor with which you treat sort of, you know, self-development, self-improvement, executive function. Um, it's, you know, I can see why you guys were accepted into the Comcast Accelerator. How did you, you know, with these gifts that you have, how did you sort of come to the different areas that you're working in? Like, were there certain people that influence you? I mean, music is a talent, right? It's a love of yours, right? Like, how did you think that you were going to actually pursue that? And then with your foundation, like, were there people that influence you to sort of put that together? And then the causes, like, I see you doing a lot of mental health, you know, and I've seen you do things with cystic fibrosis. Like, how do you make those decisions in terms of where to put your time and money? I would say starting with the foundation, um, I started that because I, I grew up as a, um, one, an only child, but then two, also in a single parent home. So my mom, you know, I was a growing kid who shoe size moved my age all the way till I turned 18. So every year she had, there had to be new clothes, new things being bought. Like that's, that was very expensive. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Couldn't wear the same thing from last year. So my mom, you know, I had to work like two jobs, you know, at times, sometimes three, you know, during holidays. For me, I looked at it as I wish I could be there for somebody to help you know, their household, you know, when they're going through, that's why a single parent household is one of the things on my mission statement is to be able to go there and help take some burden, you know, off of those parents. Cause I've seen my mom work, you know, a lot during my upbringing. And then um, when it came to cystic fibrosis, it's a family that's very, very tied into the University of Miami and their, his niece and the, her name's Delaney. She was about like two at the time, she had cystic fibrosis, and they were trying to put together their first event. And they sat with me and asked, could I come on and, and be a part of it and help you know, promote it and things like that? We just finished last year. This year was our 10th year doing it, actually. So she's 12 now. And I came on board, and I was like, let's make it something like that's just not... I didn't want it to be boring. Like, let's raise money, but let's like have fun doing it. So we put together a kickball tournament, and um, you know, people get to come out playing the kickball tournament, which is fun, um, form of exercise and healthy kids, healthy lifestyles are part of my mission statement as well. So it gets kids and people, adults out there active and moving around. And it's fun too. Like kickball, everybody can play kickball, you know? And then they play, you know, they will play against my all-star team, which would be made up of current and former uh, NFL players. And a lot of people, they just want to be able to be professionals and something. So it's like, it gives them an opportunity to try. Yeah. Um. Because out of the ten years, we probably lost twice, <laughs> twice, maybe three times at the most. But <laughs> our win, I know our win record is is a lot better than our, lo our loss. Um. So it gives that opportunity, and also gives people a chance to donate and just help contribute to the cause. So I do that for them. For my, I added um mental health into my mission statement probably back in like two thousand fourteen or fifteen, sometime after I retired. 
And there were some former players that I knew who were going through things, whether it was depression, just battling a lot of things mentally. And I think that was the first time I was probably actually put in my face that this is real. Like I heard the talks of mental health, but then when you actually start to know people and they're going through things, I knew different people um, who, you know, had to get Baker Act and take to the psych ward. I had to go down there and, and talk to them in the psych ward, trying to like, just, you know, make sure they're okay. And I was like, okay, this is, this is real. And this is pretty hands-on. And I was communicating with the NFL and the NFLPA, trying to make sure they were able to seek the help that they need to get. And I just realized then like, oh, this is like checking on people's mental health. Like, I think a lot of us brush things, you know, under the rug, like, oh, I'm okay or whatever. Or some people don't. I just feel like it, it needed to be a real conversation to be had. And especially, especially I feel like in with men, because I feel like a lot of men don't share what they may be going through. And I feel like, and they're made to feel like that because of people make, make you feel like you're not being a man if you're sharing your like uh, weak moments and things like that. When that's not the case, everybody deals with things differently, but you also need somebody to be able to, to talk to and, and have a safe space and be able to release and get some of that, you know, stress off of your mind. And, you know, I feel like that was very important. And then the more and more I talked about it and I had an, I had an event this past April, next year it'll be in May because that's Mental Health Awareness Month. I'm going to add more people on there. Like this year I had, um, I had two therapists on there. I had a doctor on there as well because he, he discussed people's mentality of losing a limb, just different things like that. Like you, you go through different situations with surgery and things like that, which I had never thought of. I had, you know, therapists on there because they talked about how to grieve. We, we just talked about different parts of the, the mental and different steps on how to go about doing things and, and trying to learn how to recognize some things too. Because some people do cry for help and it kind of can get overlooked. Um, and people just assume like they'll be okay. Or this person is never nothing wrong with them. Yeah, they just don't share it with everyone. So people may go through things and it's okay to check on them. So I feel like that's very important. It's a very deep underlying thing. And then all of a sudden, you like you missed a lot of flags and then all of a sudden something big happens. And it's like, you know, try to teach people some things to kind of be on the lookout for um, if you see change in behaviors and things like that far as when it comes to mental health. I definitely think mental health is very important, um, especially it seems like after the pandemic, just people kind of just were like mentally just going through a lot more. And I feel like it just kind of came to the forefront even more. Um, I had another former player, he was supposed to join my panel, but it was a big storm that night, um, Brandon Marshall, but he was one of the first people as far as being in the NFL who I heard speak out publicly about his mental health. So hopefully next year he can join us. I had two reality stars join us too and they kind of shared their situations on just even being on reality tv and the the stress the being on that and how things you know how they handle things in their day-to-day life and things like that so i have some people for next year that's already committed to coming on the board which i'm excited about who wants to learn more and who you know wants to be in that space and um i just feel like it's a it's a dope conversation i, I do a once a month conversation now called Cocktails and Conversations with one of the therapists that was on the panel with me. And we just talk about different things, different topics um, once a month, um, the first Friday of each month. And we have an audience of, I think the last group of people was about like 86 people. Is it virtual or in person, right? Is it it's in, in person. person. Can someone dial in virtually or? They can, it's, I believe it's on YouTube. We're live on YouTube during certain hours. I wanna say from 8.30 to 10. Uh, the first Friday of each month, and they can tune in. And I'm pretty sure you can write comments, um, you know, and yeah, the, the live stream, yeah, right. 
So we do that too. So that is a spinoff from my panel, and we want to be able to keep the conversation going. Um, and we're being able, we're been, we've been able to do that now for the past two months. Great! Wow. I, I want to make sure we get those in our show notes so that people can plug in if oh, it's okay. into folks. And we'll, we'll certainly connect you with uh, Jelani Jenkins, another former NFL player that we've had on this podcast, who is actually, um, you know, uh, he has his own mental health startup. Um, so, and we actually came across him a, a, a while back because mental health as part of health and fitness is part of our thesis uh, at Ludus uh, when we're investing into sports tech. Uh, so when you think about sports tech, it sounds like it's, it's somewhat narrow, but when you do consider health and fitness and all the things that go into what, what defines health uh, for all of us these days, I mean, mental health is certainly a very large part of that. Um, and, and we're seeing very interesting innovations, Matilda, right? I think with the Calm app, being the success that it is, uh, I think there's uh, quite a bit of focus from the uh, entrepreneurs in this space to uh, find new products and new ways of providing assistance uh, to people who do need it, or even to people who don't feel like they need it, right? Um, I'm seeing a lot of fitness apps now where, you know, right alongside with the physical aspect, with the nutritional aspect, they have the mental aspect as part of it, because everybody is realizing that holistically, it is part of your everyday health it's not something to you know it, I, I feel like in the past it was always like if something went wrong and somebody has depression then you go to somebody right you go to a therapist you go to a doctor but i do feel now there's a lot more awareness of it that it should be part of your daily ritual almost right just like you work out right you don't just go to the doctor when you're sick but you're keeping your body and and, and also you know you're eating healthy on the regular right. basis and mental is part of that regular basis regular routine as well yeah. So I think that's a big shift, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's paradigm shifts. Like Sam, that's what you're saying. Like society now, like I think maybe even 10 years ago, it wasn't so much people talk about mental health days, right? Now it's like more becoming normal day-to-day fabric to talk about it. What I'm seeing now, and I want to go back to sort of Brian, your role in this is actually quite powerful because mental health, hardship, challenge doesn't discriminate all types of people, male, female, big, small, athlete, not pro, not you name it, right? And so the more people we have coming in to talk about it, the more we are tackling it really holistically, right? And so, you know, you are a big athlete, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. with a career, you, you look like you could be, you know, fearless and no issues. And it's like, no, you have issues too. We all, we all have pain. When I spoke on the panel and I, I opened up about things, that I was seeing one of the therapists for and stuff like that. The next day, it, it allowed my friends to kind of share some of the things that they were dealing with. And I guess in their mind, they just assumed that they were, everybody always assumed they're alone or they're going through things by themselves, but everybody's life, everybody has their ups and downs and goes through things. And allowed like at least two of my friends to kind of share what they were going through. And they liked the conversation because now it made them feel safe or feel like they can open up and share, you know, have the confidence to kind of share what they're going through and talk to somebody about it, which was like, I feel like it was a good thing. So um, a lot of people were really like pushing for those conversations to continue. Yeah. Yeah, totally. We're, we're behind it. You know, like Sam said, it's part of our thesis. You know, we like to see it roll into, you know, larger offerings. Like we have companies in our portfolio, like in the health and, you know, high price, we're investors in that company. They're squarely in the business of recovery. And they actually made an acquisition into a meditation device. And we see 
it's a very fine boundary with like physical recovery and like mental recovery, mental health. Mm-hmm. So we're closely watching. We really feel like there's a lot of opportunity for companies to sort of spread their wings into multiple places. I do want to switch gears, but in a related field of startups in your work in less chat, I think it's really impressive to see you be part of the founding team there. And then now go through Comcast's accelerator program. Talk to us a little bit more. Like, how did you land it? It's a translation. It's a business of translation, right? Like, where does your, (laughs) I never knew that you were interested in that. How did it come about? With me, it was just kind of being in the right place at the right time. I was doing some ambassadorship for Uber XL here in South Florida. It just came here like in 2016. And I was doing a lot of, like when it came for the pictures and promo and stuff for it. I was the person who did the picture and they would set up account for me to use Uber. And um, I was doing it, but I'm in South Florida where a lot of people here speak Spanish or Russian and things like that. So there was like, at times could be an issue with the language and communication and the ride could get canceled or things like that. So just so happened, it was a hurricane coming here in 2017. I, w- I left and went to LA early. So I was going out there anyway, but I left early to avoid the hurricane. And while I was out there, the, um, Two guys from Les Chat, who are the creators. Flo Rider was filming a music video at their parents' house. His nephew went to the University of Miami as well. I'm friends with both of them. He went to do something outside of his uncle. So he knew I was in town. He asked me to come and have a meeting with them. And I heard what the guys were doing. And they just didn't know how to get it out there. And I was like, oh, I'll come on, on board. And I want to like invest. And I want to be a part of this because it's definitely needed. My first thing was saying, like, it's definitely needed on Uber. <laughs> right away. And um, from there, I just kind of used a lot of my resources and people that I knew and I met along the way through the NFL. And that's why I say having a personality and kind of being social and meeting people and networking and following up because you can meet a lot of people, but if you don't follow up and keep the relationship going, they'll forget about you. So that's the main thing is having the skills to not only meet people, but follow up and build relationships. That's what I was able to be good at. And so when it came time for Let's Chat and we got into the NFL before we even got with Comcast. So NFL was our, was our client prior to that um, through relationships that I have, you know, and I, well, I still have through the league. The CEO of Bojangles, he went to the University of Miami. He's the former CEO of McDonald's. I talked to him because I knew he retired from McDonald's. And I was just asking him if he had any contacts still at McDonald's for, you know, our like, translation. He's like, hey, um, pitch it to me. I didn't tell you I came out of retirement. I'm the CEO of Bojangles. I'm like, oh. And we did, and we had a meeting with him, and he picked up and started using us. So from there, and then I had emails, you know, going out with my name on it. And it was a former player who just so happened in 2011. I took a picture with, we were working out together in the offseason. And he remembered me, and he seen my name on the email, and he replied and told me about the accelerator program. And then we did a demo for him, and then he moved us over into the Comcast world and they loved what we were doing and added us to the accelerator program. So that was just kind of luckily and me being nice. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Being nice to people. No, I know. I think... want to take that picture that day. But I was just totally. being nice to him and he remembered me. So, and that's yeah. how it got, that's what got us in, yeah. in the door. I wasn't aware of Comcast having an accelerator program. We just was emailing <laughs> it and he seen my email and he kind of made us aware and then brought us in. Like, so, and that's how that went. And then from there, another player development coach from the Vikings who I still remain friends with, he had linked us with somebody from Major League Soccer named Jamil. So we came across Jamil's desk once, but then once we're in the accelerator program, another guy named Kyle brought us back to Jamil. And and Jamil at the time wasn't ready for us when we first met him. 
But now this time, where his position was, he was ready to hear more about his chat. And then now we're about to start doing so with Major League Soccer. A high school friend of mine got a, a situation with Coca-Cola. <laughs> my thing is about relationships. So my thing is really just having relationships and, yeah. and keeping them kind of present. You know, don't, don't right. let them fall off right. too bad. Like always send sex and check on people. So it's those relationships. And then always in a, in a friendship, I feel like I always want to be an asset and not a, li- not a liability. Mm-hmm. So I'm always going to do something back. You know, even with Bojangles, he donated. He did a lot of donations to the University of Miami, which is my college. The new head coach of University of Miami was my former graduate assistant position coach. So I have a relationship with him. So what I did was I connected those two. Like you now right. put my company with Bojangles. You want to meet the new head coach? I know him. So I'm going to have you guys have a meeting. And I did a three-way call and exchange. And they finally met this year. And they have now built a relationship. And I did that because of the strength of what he did for me, <laughs> you know? And he's we're, we're all alumni from University of Miami. So I feel like anything that I can do to help you, once you help me, I'm going to do it. I love it. I love it. I feel like I'm like trying to catch up because I feel like what I just heard was basically like a few business school lessons right here packaged into a few minutes of a life story. Like you said, keep your relationships, right? Like, I was just, I was just going to say that, you know, that this is this is yeah. what venture capitalists do. Yeah. This is what investors do, right? When you invest into a company, then you try to, in whatever way, help out with the founders as they build this company. And a lot of that involves uh, networking. A lot of that involves connecting them to the right people, whether that's a potential investor, a potential client, potential uh, employee even, right? I mean, I have a lot of founders actually come to me for almost HR help. And, and I come, I'm kind of like, I'm not an HR person, but I kind of realize that it is part of their need as they try to grow this company. So I'm always on the lookout now for engineers and just different people that could help out startups because that's you know part of what building a startup requires, right? And, and a lot of it, you're absolutely right, is this the, uh, this type of thing. I think I was reading this, um, and I think, Brian, this could be really interesting for you as well. Is I was reading this post by Alex Ohanian, who's a venture capitalist. He's married to Serena Williams. Yeah, I know Alex. And they have an internal platform on which they keep a account of everything that they do, right? When they show up to a meeting, check mark, there's one meeting for the week. Uh, when they you know, help out with something, they, they do a check mark. One thing they have is a running count of how many relationships and partnerships they've created for their portfolio companies. And it's some huge number, right? It's like 500 or 800 or something. And so that actually is something that they keep count on their own to, 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 to keep them uh, accountable for what they're doing to help these startups. But also when they go and pitch new startups, right? If you, Brian, are pitching your startup or if you want to, you know, an investor or someone, you can say, hey, look, I'm a connector. But look, and then what Alex does is that he actually shows the screenshot of, hey, look, here's our platform. We actually keep count of all this stuff, right? We don't just say, oh, you know, I've done partnerships for people. He actually shows, he's like, look, I've done 800 partnerships, right? So I think that's quite interesting. So I'm starting to do that. So that might be a, a something that you could do as well, Brian, is you know, when you do connect people, you know, just keep account. And, uh, you know, and then, and then when you look back in a year or six months, and you, you can feel accomplished because of all the things that, it, because you were doing them anyway. But now there's just a more quantifiable way of uh, looking back and seeing, you know, what, what you've done in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, what I love what how you're doing is is it's very authentic. And I guess mm-hmm. one of the questions like I had for you, just hearing you talk about all that, you've seen both sides now, right? Mm-hmm. One is evaluating new people 
and sussing them out to see if they're going to be in your circle enough for mm. them to connect them. Right. I've been on the other end with you on that. <laughs> and then you also then have to put yourself in a vulnerable state to pitch yourself to companies that are looking at less chat partners who may investors. Right. And I guess my question to you twofold, like how do you figure out who makes the cut or not? Like it's relationship building, right? It's spending time it's seeing how they work. Like, can you tease that out a little bit more about how you bring people into your trust circle? And because I think that's really important for people who are looking, you know, to get into sort of what you're doing right now. How do you find the right people? How do you cut out sort of like, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of people that come around. The energy plays a big part for me because I feel like that you're honest and trustworthy and really like passionate about what you do. And you're not doing it for, I feel like short term, like a lot of people do things for money, but I feel like if you do it because you have a passion for it, it's just a little different with me. So this is your passion. I'm more willing to work with you. I'm not going to work with you because you're just trying to make a quick couple of dollars. I feel like you're thinking short term. So to me, just seeing, you know, what you have done and who you connect with, the type of people you connect with, and then um, just hearing like your goals and what do you plan on doing moving forward? All that plays like a factor in how I decide to move with you or not. And I feel like I can just pick up on people's energy, especially in person, really well. And I have a good sense, I guess it's called discernment, of if I feel like this is a good person or not. And if I feel like that is, if they are, I will connect. I don't have a problem with connecting and sharing my Rolodex platform, whatever, with you know, with them. Um, Because I know they'll do good. And at the end of the day, I have to make sure I'm protecting myself, too, because I don't want to bring somebody in who kind of can damage. You know, it takes one person to kind of damage a relationship for everybody. So I'm very, very selective over that because I don't need anybody. I've never I've never had a complaint with anybody or introducing and anybody's done anything funny. So I'm very um, aware of that. So I have to make sure I protect that. And that comes from a lot of different situations from recommending chefs, recommending a lot of different people for me to do that. If I'm saying like, if I'm co-signing anybody, then it means like, okay, they're a good person, you know? So I take pride in surrounding myself around good people and I expect them to, to kind of reciprocate the same thing. So yeah, I've never had the issue of anybody doing anything you know, funny because I feel like and because you've screened it. I mean, they have a certain level of respect for me too. Yeah, and I think you use the word discernment, and you know, we have a network of athletes in our community, and you know, not everyone has had that level of discernment as you've had, right? And for athletes who are starting to look into investing, we always advise, like even when we are pitching our fund and pitching the investments that we're looking at, we encourage them, please do your due diligence, mm-hmm. right? Do the due diligence, not just on the founder, on the I mean, in the NFL, team, right? if people really, like guys who play the NFL, I'm sure the NBA has it too. Yeah. They'll do background checks for you. Just send it in. They'll background, they'll do background checks. So wait, wait, hold on. The league will do it for, for the- The league will do it for a On players. something that they're investing in? Is that what something saying? they're investing in, just in general, in business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can send stuff over and they'll do a background check and, and let you know what's good or bad about a situation. Like They'll give you an update on- the individual so and that's just being aware and knowing what your profession offers whether the nba nfl whatever just knowing it like you know what i'm saying I, you know since i retired i definitely look into more things to see what else you know yeah the nfl offers like for instance like there's a lot of grants for nonprofits out there but a lot of us when we were playing had no clue and you was using your own money like you know what i'm saying yeah there's a lot yeah, of perks they don't advertise is that what you're saying they don't it's like you have to look it up <laughs> <You have laughs> whatever advertisers right give you money how about you just gonna have to look it up and figure it out 
So yeah, there there is a lot. There are a lot of things like that. Even post retirement, yeah. there's different things that guys can do to be in better situations. You have to go out and just well, they have meetings, you know, while we were players. Yeah. But they were always at the end of the day after you'd had all this practice, you're just ready to go home. And now somebody was talking for like 30 minutes when you're like sitting there ready to go home. Well, guys aren't really tuned in. But what they can say is, but well, we had the meetings. But now it becomes up to you at a certain point, especially when you retire, to really look into things and see what all are your benefits and what does the league help with, you know, moving forward. So, I mean, there's things out there. I just think guys don't take the initiative to look them up or have anybody around them to help guide them and show them like, hey, you know, I've even done it with players like we're line of duty. I've helped the guys get their line of duty and things like that. Now they're getting permanent disability and all this type of stuff. But they would have had no clue if I didn't know and I learned and then I shared it with people who I was still close with in the league. And now they're, you know, they've moved on and then they're getting their thing. So like I said, I'm going to share it with people I'm cool with. Yeah, this is great. Like, I almost feel like I think I don't want to start another business line for you, but I feel like there should be like a mentorship program, which I'm sure there are many, but doing it well, doing it well with the right men. Right. It, there should be some type of mentorship, especially for guys, because, you know, it's a there's a transition period of you being this athlete for all these years or however long. And then you have to now transition to life after. And a lot of people don't know how. And that's why there's a high rate of depression, because these people have identified themselves maybe at six years old, started playing Pop Warner. And then all through college and then however long they play in the league, whether it's three years, 13, that's what they've been their whole life. So now to now that is now no longer part of your identity, they go into depression because they really don't know who they are. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned uh, in, initiative and uh, you're you're such a self-starter. And Matilda's already coming out with a business for you on that side. But in terms of, uh, you know, your your motivation, uh, you know, mm. being such taking all these initiatives what motivates you what gets you out of bed you know and, and you know certainly as a football player you had that drive um but yeah. what gives you that drive outside of football and in life in general? i um i always had this drive that I, to me i always felt like i was more than a football player you know what i'm saying so even when i tried my hand in music i didn't try my hand i, I got nominated for three grammys so i feel like i did a decent job i wanted to always separate myself from being put in a box of an athlete because i don't know why when you do some some things whether it's an athlete or entertainer, people feel like you can't do anything else. When you have more than one gift, you just got to learn how to tap into them. So that's always been my motivation is kind of to always prove. And I'm going to say this, me trying to prove myself is something that stems back from me even playing football. I grew up playing basketball. My grandma, my freshman year, I went out for football. My grandma, so used to me playing basketball, like me playing basketball, told me I wasn't going like it and I was going to quit. You know what I'm saying? So I use that every step, every step of the way. So. And there's two ways that could have went. I could have believed her in the moment that I didn't like what was going on in football. I could have quit. But instead, I used it as the opposite. It was like, she's not going to be right. And even though I don't like this moment right now or it's an uncomfortable moment, I've always kept putting myself in positions to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? And and became okay with that. So going through hard times, tough times, or things was tough, and you know, getting an offer late, to go to a junior college because it was past National Signing Day. Somebody randomly sent mailed in a videotape of the running back who was behind me and the guys at the University of Iowa, they seen me and they were like, well, who is this? And they came to the school for him, but they were like, we want to talk to him as well. It was after National Signing Day. They said, we we can send you to a junior college. We want you to learn how to play offensive tackle. I played defensive end in high school. So it's like the total opposite now to learn to play that and then left tackle like that. And it's like, I'm not left-handed, but I got to learn being uncomfortable. 
just learn something totally different and we'll give you, you know, a scholarship to go there two years, get your degree and you'll have a letter of intent sent. So as soon as you leave there, you'll come to the University of I went there. I tried to talk to coach and then moving me back on the defense. Didn't work. <laughs> I stayed on offense. My first year there, the guy who I played against, practiced against every day, he was a Juco All-American. This is my first time trying to learn this position that I've never played before. Headaches every day. And my mom was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Then my grandma was like, yeah, because I know you're going to like it. And it's just like, keep going. So then it's like, I kept going. But even when I got that scholarship there, I was like, Grandma, remember you said I wasn't going to like like this? And it's like, now I got a scholarship to a JUCO. I ended up becoming a JUCO All-American um, after my first year. And with the help of the person who went against every day who was a JUCO All-American in practice. And my after my first year, Hayden Fryer was the head coach of Iowa. He retired. So now it was like other schools can talk to me. Before they couldn't talk to me because I already had a letter and test signed. So then that's how I ended up, you know, going into my second season with like a preseason All-American, finished the second season as a JUCO All-American. And I think number one in my position ends up in, in Miami. Now I have a scholarship in Miami and I remind my grandma, remember when you said I wasn't going to like, you know, like it or quit. Now I'm in Miami. I go to Miami. I become a two-time All-American there. National champion, Sports Illustrated Player of the Year, finished top 10 in the Heisman Trophy. Now I'm a first-round draft pick in New York, ready to get drafted to the Minnesota Vikings. We're there, draft day, and I remind my grandmom again, remember when you said. <laughs> and then um, go through my career you know, with the Vikings. I end up going to the University of Miami Hall of Fame. My grandmom's at that event. I remind her at the event. You know, remember when you said I wasn't, you know, going to like it. All the way down to that later on in that year, that season, we win the Super Bowl. First person who finds me out of my family on the field, my grandmom. Yeah. And I said, Grandma, remember you said, guess what? I get to say it one more time this year to her in December. I go into the College Football Hall of Fame. So I said, you have to be there for my speech because now this is overall college. Like I went to University of Miami Hall of Fame, but now this is all the colleges. And we go, it's in December, December 5th in Las Vegas. And she's part of my story. Like, this is how I got through football <laughs> is uh, always hearing her voice. So she didn't feel like I would like it or you could take somebody's like negative thought and it can kind of project it on you, but it's based on how you receive it. You can receive it and feel like, yeah, I agree. You know, I don't like this. <laughs> or I took it as I'm not going to let you be right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just being competitive. So basically the end of the, like being me being competitive. So I just, challenge myself and I'm okay with challenging myself. And that's so why I said I, I learned at a young age to be okay with being uncomfortable. And if that's going to make me better, then I'm okay with doing it. So that's how I kind of look at things. So for me to get up and try to be the best. So now it's like me now in the business realm, I'm still taking the competitive edge from sports. And now I'm being in this competitive world of translation and we're in here in these accelerator programs and I'm going to make sure we do everything and attack everything so we can be successful. Like it's a competition for me to go out here and try to do the very best that I can for myself in a company. So it's just, a, just me being competitive. I love it. I want to get you in front of my son's nine U travel team. We're a baseball family. <laughs> I, I think so many good lessons on grit, resilience, not giving up, proving yourself, yeah. being competitive uncomfortable, comfortable with the uncomfortable. So many good lessons there. Right. I mean, turning the negative to a positive, I mean, I think that's a, a great lesson. I think um, 
gotta give grandmother credit, uh, but you know, I think if it wasn't your grandmother, somebody else would have said it to you. Everybody has doubters that will right. come to you, and they just say it for the heck of saying it, and they say, "Hey, you can't do this, you can't do that," and you know, to really be able to use that as a motivation, I think is great, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's yeah. you can take it as a negative, and that certainly is a worse. You can ignore it; that's sort of a neutral position. But what you've done is. Taking that and using it as the motivation uh, to lead you to everything that you've done, which is incredibly inc- impressive, is the right way, I think. Um, and and I certainly think a lot of uh, a lot of kids out there, and even you know young adults who are actually you know athletes or aspiring athletes, could really learn. I just feel like that. anything that you do, as long as you put in effort and you have discipline and you're consistent at it, that should get better. You know what I'm saying? You're sharpening your craft. You know, with those things, you consistently get up, you dedicate yourself to the craft and you just work at it. You'll get better. Nobody's going to stay the same. You either get better, or you get worse. Nobody stays the same. And nobody gets better overnight. Right. No, it not at all. So time, that's why you have to be patience. Like, that's why I say patience is a virtue. Just have patience and it'll all fall into place in due time. But just have patience. You can't I always try to tell people you can't rush greatness. You got to have patience and just endure the journey. That's a venture founders like storyline right there, right? Like a lot of what you just said. And it's great that you're with Les Chad. I'm sure like even in your cohort at Comcast, like you see the struggles and the highs and lows mm-hmm. of all the other founders, right? It's a long game. It's definitely, it as an investor, it's a long game for us, right? Right. Early stage. So great lessons. You had. And even, even those overnight success you hear, I think there's a quote about that, right? Like behind overnight success is, you know, 10 years of hard work. Right. To me, nothing, nothing is just, right now or if and if if it is it doesn't last long to me like a lot of things they just boom right now it's like for as a phase like a little fad but like people who've been working at something for a long time and when it when it hits it really hits and it takes off and it's there for a while and it's and it probably wasn't their first time even attempting to do this it's like probably second or third time and they've now got the kinks out and they know what to do and what not to do and just in a better space you know to do it but things that just pop like the microwave success thing or these people get insta-famous, it's like, it's for a very short window. It's, it's no longevity. It comes and it goes. Yeah. So spot on. I mean, if you look at the, the AI industry, which is something that is somewhat adjacent, I mean, I'm seeing quite a lot of sports-related AI companies pop up, right? Because that's sort of the, the trend and everybody's talking about it. But um, And then everybody jumps in, right? People who are shifting from different industries. And I feel like the, the guys who will build long-lasting companies in that area are the PhDs, right? Like the, the the guys who have been studying artificial intelligence for the last 20 years in college and doing their research. And not just some guy off the street who's jumping into this trend because this is the new thing after crypto, right? So they shift it all from crypto to AI. I mean, I think those guys are not really going to make it, right? But hey, those if guys you are just in it to make quick, you been, quick money and yeah, get out. Just for and the then quick find money. something else to make quick money and get out, but it's not, it's not about longevity for them. Yeah. yeah, that goes back to the screening process like that you do on a day-to-day basis because I know you invest as well, right? It's like mm. kind of figuring out like, is this really part of your original mandate or are you just slapping it on? Right. And a lot of, I screen with a lot of different people and some people, I, they don't even convince me that they believe in their, uh, it's like, I feel like I just want money because <laughs> I don't even like, do you really believe in your product? <laughs> yeah. And those are the, those are sort of some somewhat fun ones to scan out because you're almost helping them out. You're like, are you looking for me? Right, I feel like I'm now? coaching you on how to <laughs> do your presentation. <laughs> to find your next gig, right? Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love this. This is good. Have been such a good meaty. I feel like a lot of great advice in here um, in today's talk. What I want to do is transition us to our fire rounds. 
which is mm. I will say a statement or ask a question and just give me your immediate thoughts off the top of your head. Okay. Sounds good. Ready? Yep. Let's play. You've been a mentor to so many people in your lifetime. Who are your top two mentors? Oh, that's tough. My top two. There's an artist, Pleasure P, that I feel like is one of my top ones. He's very hard-headed at the beginning, but he's still around making music and is actually on tour with Neo right now. But for the most part, was, you know, uh, a mentee. And um, I was trying to teach him things. He was just young, just young. But I feel like he's grasping, he's learning now. So he's one. And there was another athlete, Donald Penn, who actually had a great career. Uh, he might have played like a year or two longer than me. He was behind me in Minnesota at first, and he asked me a million questions, even when I was tired. Um, but I always gave him advice on, you know, what to do. Because we played the same position. He was just younger than me. And then they um, traded him off to Tampa Bay. He went to Tampa Bay before he went to um, LA, to the Raiders. But he was somebody I mentored as well. And I um, actually just talked to him on Saturday, too. So we still keep in touch and have a friendship. So I, I, I helped him out a lot, too. And we had questions about different guys or how I played certain people or what their weakness were and things like that. We would share those type of information with each other as well. Nice, nice. Great, great examples. You do so many things, as I mentioned earlier. I also see you on IG in different cities, having fun, doing business, just impacting people. Where do you find your inspiration? I just look back at to like my childhood and wish that somebody could have been there more to kind of assist or help. You know what I mean? So I try to help those um, what I can. And I feel like if God bless you, he's blessed you to help bless others. And just I look at it that way, really. And um, so whatever I can do, whether it's the back to school drives, I'm going to do that to help take some stress off of, you know, families. I have Operation Turkey coming up and that's people who may not have families in town or don't have Thanksgiving meal. We provide those 2000 meals um, and even coming up for Christmas, you know, and then even my mental health panel. And that's just getting awareness out there all the way down to I'm going to start Operation Prom again because now kids are going you know, back to prom. I had stopped it during COVID where I sponsor kids prom and, um, you know, take care of everything for them, them and their family. Um, so it's a lot that I just, I just have a joy of get, being able to give back, you know, and that brings inspiration, right? When you give back. Yeah. So yeah, it inspires it me. I feel good you. after I do it. So mm-hmm. it makes me want to do it again. Just like I felt good after I had that mental health um, awareness panel and the feedback that I was getting from people and, and how some of my own friends started now sharing things they were going through, I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. Like, you know, this is the lane I need to be in. That kind of inspired me just to see the reaction from some of my own friends. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Really beautiful. Today, Brian McKinney, he is an athlete. He is a performer. He's a mentor. He's a philanthropist. He is a startup founder. He's a connector. Brian McKinney, 10 years down the road, who are you? Brian McKinney will still be a connector. <laughs> Hopefully I'm somewhere like, cause I, now I want to kind of start getting over into television, mm. whether it's me doing some acting things or whether it's me being like, I want to be a casting director for some things as well. So get over into that realm as well. Get back into music and start helping some of these artists in understanding the business of music. If you want to be in the music business, you got to first understand the business of music. And that's where I say financial literacy comes into play. Because even with some of these, you know, young guys who are in college, getting these NIL deals, helping them and their families start to understand things, too, so they can set themselves up to have a chance and not go out here and just be just feeling like, oh, it's coming quick and I can 
spend as fast as it comes, but having things set up where they're protected as far as business-wise and just having knowledge, the knowledge that I didn't have and I had to learn, you know, just through my trials and just different, different things, you know, going through the league or whatever. So being able to be there for people and give them um, some of the knowledge that they need to know early. That's amazing. I feel like because of your personality and your connector profile, like you have so much more, You not saying you're not doing enough, so much more you can give back and impact. So yeah. we're excited to see. This has to be structured yeah. properly. I need to get me a team too, because uh, I feel like I'm doing everything myself. So it's like get a team of people that can help me facilitate things and get things even more progressive. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have a team when you're doing multiple streams like that. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I know you have many talents. One of which is your voice. Can you grace our listeners with just a little, just something? <laughs> Acapella. Cause you know, I follow you on IG, so I get to hear certain things. I'm like, Oh, this is fun. Like, do you sing every day? Are you, are you, how often do you get to studio? Do you go to studio? Like what's your, when I go to the studio, I'm normally there working with another artist and not really me. And so a lot of people don't even really know or realize that I can't hold a note. But I only really do it if I'm in there with the artist because yeah. like I'm trying to yeah. teach them how to find it sometimes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't know that you did that. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm looking at my karaoke list. <laughs> no, pick anything. I'm wondering if there should okay, be the yeah, voice edition for you. Like I can see you on the voice. You watch the voice? I've definitely watched it before. Like, I feel like it's that mentorship piece and that connector piece plus that talent piece you have. Like, it would make you a great judge. It's Stevie Wonder song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Oh, God. I've been building my castle of love just for two. Though you never knew you were my reason. It's too slow. It's great. I, I love, love Stevie that. Wonder. I, I mean, what's your favorite go-to karaoke song? I don't have a list of songs on here, but I had to see that real quick, so I posted that. I like Stevie Wonder. I like Luther Vandross, John Legend, Music Soul Child. Yeah. 112, Jodeci. Oh, I love Jodeci. I love 112. <laughs> Brian, it was so great to have you on. I felt like this podcast was chock full of great advice for all our listeners. Thank you again, and I'm excited to hear the impact you will continue to have. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Ludus Capital's Frontier X podcast. For more information on the episode, the podcast, or Ludus Capital, please visit us on our website at www.ludus.capital. Be sure to subscribe to our show and follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Insta, to stay up to date on all things sports tech and venture capital related. And as always, thank you for tuning in.